Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 20th November 2020. This is Ian Haydock. In this episode, we look at results and plans for coronavirus vaccines, a US product setback, PCSK9 developments, and the latest progress in NASH. Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine candidate mRNA-1273 has produced a 94.5% level of efficacy in the first interim analysis of 95 cases from its Phase 3 COVE trial. Andrew McConaughey reports the results have provided more cheer in the fight against the pandemic and are also a boon for the company's shareholders. The primary endpoint of COVE is COVID-19 cases confirmed and adjudicated starting two weeks following the second dose of vaccine, and the first interim analysis of 95 cases found that 90 were observed in the placebo group versus 5 in the mRNA-1273 group. This is the second of the mRNA-based vaccine candidates to report initial Phase 3 data. Last week saw Pfizer and BioNTech release their first interim analysis based on the first 94 cases recorded in their trial, producing a far better than expected 90% efficacy rate. Like Pfizer, Moderna has only released the single top-line data readout, and it will be for regulators including at the US FDA to scrutinise the full efficacy and safety data dossiers which both companies are now expected to submit by the end of this month. The interim analysis by the Data Safety and Monitoring Board also included a review of the available safety data, which did not report any significant safety concerns. However, the companies must await safety data accrued after a median of at least two months after the first cohort of patients have received their second dose, as stipulated by the FDA. Meanwhile, Pfizer is launching a COVID-19 vaccine distribution pilot program in four US states, as the timeline for potentially delivering the first commercial vaccine to the public inches closer. During the STATS Summit on 17th November, CEO Albert Bohr confirmed the safety threshold required for its vaccine to be considered for an emergency use authorization by the US FDA has been reached. He declined to confirm a filing timeline, but said it would be submitted soon. Pfizer and its partner BioNTech's vaccine, BNT162b, was more than 90% effective in an interim analysis of its ongoing Phase 3 trial. The expectation is that both vaccines will be swiftly authorised by the FDA, putting in motion large-scale manufacturing and distribution initiatives to meet the unprecedented demand. Jessica Merrill writes that Pfizer also announced on 17th November it is launching a pilot programme to support the planning, deployment and administration of its COVID-19 vaccine candidate more widely in the US. It's a dry run, Baller explained. Pfizer is already confident in its abilities to distribute the vaccine based on the experience gained from shipping to 150 vaccination centres involved in the clinical trial. We want to make sure that also the states that are on the receiving side of the vaccine know exactly how to handle the boxes that are coming, how they open them, where they place them, etc, etc, he said. The four states included in the pilot program are Rhode Island, Texas, New Mexico and Tennessee, selected because of differences in overall size, diversity of populations and immunisation infrastructure as well as their need to reach individuals in varied urban and rural settings, Pfizer said. The states will not receive vaccine doses earlier than other states because of their involvement in the pilot, nor will they receive any differential consideration, the company clarified. 
Sanofi has suffered a surprising regulatory setback after being hit by a rejection from the US FDA for sutimlimab, its treatment for hemolysis in adults with cold agglutinin disease. The surprising news that the agency issued a complete response letter came on its PADUFA target action date of 13th November, when most observers had expected sutimlimab, which is a first-in-class selective inhibitor of the complement pathway, to get the green light. But Sanofi revealed that a potential approval has been delayed due to certain deficiencies identified by the agency during a pre-license inspection of a third-party facility responsible for manufacturing. Kevin Grogan reports the French drug maker stressed that there were no clinical or safety deficiencies noted in the CRL with respect to the application. However, satisfactory resolution of the observations by the third-party manufacturer is required before the biologics license application can be approved, the company said. The Paris headquarter group did not disclose the nature of the deficiencies or timelines for resolving the concerns, but the delay is still a blow. Sutimlimab, which Sanofi obtained via its acquisition of BioVerative in 2018, was granted a priority review by the FDA in May, based on results from Part A of the open-label Phase 3 Cardinal study in patients with primary CAD. Early data from the latest gene-silencing-based drug targeting PCSK9 show a medicine with potentially strong efficacy in patients but one that also faces some significant competitive hurdles, particularly as Alnylam and Novartis are poised to have the first-in-class advantage with Inclisiron. However, Ionis Pharmaceuticals ION449 may be able to catch up via the accelerated development plan that partner AstraZeneca has in store for the drug, and it also has a potential oral version in preclinical development, Alaric Diamond writes. AstraZeneca presented data from the Phase 1 study with ION449, also known as AZD8233, in a poster session at the American Heart Association's 2020 conference. The ligand-conjugated antisense oligonucleotide is administered subcutaneously and is designed to reduce the liver's production of PCSK9 by targeting RNA, thereby lowering levels of LDL cholesterol in the blood and reducing the risk of cardiovascular disease. The two companies have had a partnership to develop antisense oligonucleotide drugs since 2015, focused on disease areas like cardiovascular, metabolic and renal disorders, and the PCSK9 program is the first to be developed. Two PCSK9 targeting antibodies, Amgen's Repatha, which is Evolucumab, and Regeneron's Praluent, which is Alarocumab, were approved in the US in 2015. Inclusiron is ION449's chief competitor in the RNA targeting space and is expected to win US approval by the end of this year. The EMA's CHMP also adopted a positive opinion on Inclusiron in October. AstraZeneca told Script that its development plan includes use of real-world evidence as well as model-informed drug development approaches in collaboration with officials under the FDA's MIDD pilot program. Finally, while this year began with the expectation of the first drug approval in non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, or NASH, instead this year is closing out with uncertainty and the datasets presented at the American Association for the Study of Liver Diseases 13th to 16th November virtual annual meeting reflected that. 
Instead of approval for NASH, Intercept's FXR agonist obeticolic acid, or OCA, received a complete response letter from the US FDA on 29th June. That surprise came just weeks after Genfit reported that its PPAR-alpha delta agonist elafibrinor failed a pivotal phase 3 trial that was expected to put it second on the market. Joe Haas writes that it now looks like the first NASH approval will come in 2022, given that Intercept said it hopes to resubmit its NDA for OTA sometime next year. While the field looks ahead to the next Phase 3 NASH datasets from companies like Madrigal, Galmed and AbbVie, or advances in mid-stage programs at Inventiva and 89Bio, most of the presentations appeared incremental. But there are signs of promise, particularly for combination regimens, which are expected to be the mainstay of treating NASH. That's all for this time. Many thanks for listening. Don't forget that this and all Informer Pharma Intelligence podcasts are also available via smart speakers. Just make sure your voice assistant is set up with default access to one of the platforms on which we're available. And those are SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts or TuneIn and then ask it to play Pharma Intelligence podcasts. Also, don't forget to join our Pink Sheet colleagues for a discussion of the biopharma impact of the US election as part of the FDA CMS Summit on December 7th to 9th, for which registration is now open. There's a link in the script story accompanying this podcast, which also has links to the full articles mentioned here. Bye for now.